fuck me, Jesus Christ. Hello everyone and welcome to Anime Club After Dark's movie reviews, a spoiler-free discussion detailing the good, the bad, and the downright ridiculous of anime movies. I'm your host Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and tonight I am joined by our czar of source material, John. Hello. And tonight we will be reviewing 1984's Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, directed by Hayao Miyazaki and produced by Studio Ghibli. So, John, I got when we watched it because we actually just got through watching this. Was this the first time you'd ever seen it, or no? This was the first time I've ever seen this movie. Wow, for me, it was definitely not the first time. The very first time I watched this was back in 1996 when I was just a baby. Um, this is actually the very first anime I ever watched, so I I kind of attribute this movie to you know allowing me to become an anime fan. So it does have a special place in my heart. Um, that being said, I'm going to try to remain unbiased while I review this. Oh man, I'm about to trash this movie so bad. <laughs> oh jeez. Um, as I mentioned, so this movie was released back in 1984, uh, 36 years ago, um, with a budget of 108 million yen. That's just under a million U.S. dollars. Um, and j- just for comparison, um, another animated feature that was released around the same time was The Fox and the Hound by Disney. That had a budget of $12 million. So, I mean, while we talk about this, think about that. You can go watch Fox and the Hound. It's a great movie. If you've never seen that Disney movie, it's a fantastic movie. I definitely recommend it. Um, But, I mean, just think about it had 12 times the budget of this. So, we talk, we're going to talk, obviously, about the art and animation style a little bit. In fact, it's probably we're, we're, what we're going to get into first. I just keep that in mind about how little money this was made for at the time. Yeah, I, I wanted to include this metric just so, like, you know, when we're reviewing things that were released so long ago, uh, it's hard to, like, think of it as good because it's like, well, first of all, I wasn't even alive at the time this film Not, was made. And as old as I am, neither was I. This was six years before I was born. Yeah, so it's, you got to look at it through a lens of like, well, if we were back in the 1980s and we were watching these, did it actually look good or are we just so spoiled on like the ultra high graphics we have now, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Moving on to the animation, one thing I I really liked about this movie was the the monsters that they show in it. So in Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, they're kind of living in a post-apocalyptic world. Um, it takes place like thousands or a thousand years or something. Yeah, it's after... just over a thousand years in the future. Yeah, roughly. so you got to like give it credit where it's due. When it shows the monsters, um, they're all, I believe they're all insect monsters. Yeah, they're, um, all, they're all insect-based or insectoids of some kind. Yeah, so they, they all move very organically, similar to like how they're formed. And I thought that was really cool and impressive, like... You know, when you make giant monsters in films, you don't have to make them move anatomically correct. They can do whatever kind of BS you want. But like, um, you know, with the the flying ones in there, with the uh, the little the ohms, those little pill bugs. Oh, I was like, that's so cool. Like, they move very organically. Like, if these were real, this is how they would move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's impressive again when you consider how old it was and how little money this was made for that they were able to like incorporate that so well and also considering this was a completely hand-drawn movie like there were there was oh, no yeah. computer assistance whatsoever it is pen and paper to celluloid 
So and and I can forgive it because of that with the um how it's animated, I guess. Like there's not a lot of movement in the film. Uh, a lot of it is just repeated frames overlaid on each other, but it still looks good to me. Yeah, or, and, or zooming and panning on a single frame. That yeah, happens and, a lot in this movie. And that's fine, you know, like that's just technology limited at the time, so I can't knock it too much for that. Uh, one thing I thought was really good was the good use of colors, uh, hmm. something that really, it's it's kind of a good thing, but also a bad thing. Um, as you said, it was hand-drawn and it was uh, done on... Um, What'd you just say? Celluloid. Celluloid. So the colors aren't very poppy. They aren't very vibrant, but they did have a good use of colors, you know, like um, showing like the emotional state of the monsters with the color change between like neutral blue to like red. I thought that was a really good use to indicate like the monster's feelings. Um, I loved when they went into the forest. I, I just loved like the entire scenery. I was just like, wow, look at this unknown world. Like, what is this poison forest? It looked very much like Monster Hunter, like Monster Hunter World, where when you enter a different biome, everything is very unique. And then the monsters that surround it, or in this case, the insects that surround it, are blending in very well with their surroundings. Like um, when Nasca's first going into the forest in the very beginning of the movie, we see that there's this like darkened, like spider-like monster that's in the background that I didn't even notice until it started moving. I was like, holy shit, there's a monster there. <laughs> Yeah, and one thing I really like, and you kind of touched on it, was that like every single insect that you see in this, there they are basically the monsters of the movie. Um, but every single insect you see, the way they're designed looks like they serve a purpose within this world. Like they look like they yeah. they they fit into a specific environmental niche in this world. Yeah, and that's what's really good about this film. Uh, this. It's just amazing how much thought they put into these background assets that they really didn't need to, you know. Like, uh, when if we compare it to, like, The Fox and the Hound, it, it's animated beautifully. Uh, I love when, you know, the obviously the Fox and the Hound are playing around with the little babies. It's cute as shit. But here in Nausicaa, they don't really have that much of an animation budget, so they make do with, like, just putting more assets in the background and just letting it breathe. You know, it's mm-hmm. very organic. It looks like a real forest. Yeah, um, I think probably the last thing to maybe say about the the cinematography is that um, the way I hate saying this, but it's it's very jumpy. Like there's a lot of jump cuts in this movie, and for yeah. the time, that was actually quite standard. Um, it's not really something that holds up today very well. <laughs> yeah, there's just so many jump cuts between scenes, and you're like it. it if you watch it now and you expect like high action, you're not going to get it from this movie. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's kind of okay because it kind of flows with the pacing of the film, but I'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want to talk about for the, the art and animation is uh, the character designs. Mm. Um, I honestly, I liked it a lot because at least with the main player characters, they're designed very well to fit their, um, their actual character, like what they're mm-hmm. written as, like <laughs> when we meet, there's a different character. He's he, he's basically a fucking dirty bastard, and he has this shit eating smile on his face. I'm just like, this are you guy talking is- about Kuratawa? Yeah, Kuratawa. <laughs> he's like, he's like the epitome of a mustache twirling villain. Yeah, and it it worked so well. It, like with his lines being delivered, I was just like, ah, oh, god, this guy. I hate this guy. <laughs> like it was very clearly established, like 
who a person what who a character's personality is or what a person character's personality is just mm. with the uh, character design alone and that's what i thought was wonderful yeah, uh, he actually, he seems like he, with his, like, spouting of one-liners constantly, he seems like he would not be out of place in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah, big bad guy, man. Uh, yeah, like, the, the character designs in general were, like like you say, they were pretty much on point. Um, there's not a single one I can point to and say that were bad. Also, um, the I guess you could say the mascot character of this movie, Teto, cute as fuck. Oh, yeah. That's well. See, I like I like mascot characters, but Teto didn't really play a part in this. But no, but I mean that's a good mascot character where it's it just, doesn't distract it, from the actual story. Yeah, it's just this little cute like was a cat squirrel or whatever, a fox uh, squirrel, fox squirrel, fox squirrel. It was cute though. I liked it. Mm-hmm. And and another thing about the character design before we move on is like it's you you look at it and it's very heavily like seventies uh, Disney inspired. Oh yeah, for sure. Like. This was released in the '80s, but it was—it's very yeah. heavily Disney inspired. Yeah, um, and I think that actually works for the the story that's being told. Personally, um, but I guess moving on to like sound and and music, uh, th- this movie was scored by the legendary Joe Hisaishi, who has scored many, many, many other Ghibli movies. Um, I think he's actually scored every Ghibli movie that uh, Miyazaki personally worked on. Um, what did you What did you think of it? Because it has that combination of like symphony instruments with synthesizer, which I'm sure in the '80s was like new and like holy shit. But yeah, how do you so, think that that wor- First of all, how do you think it actually works for the for the story? And do you think that actually holds up the like I would say like satur the saturation of the synthesizer? So I love the symphony bits. Um, I just like symphony instruments in general. I like symphonies. The synthesizer, I didn't really dig. I mean, I get it. Like, during the 80s, synthesizers were just a huge thing. You know, what what band out there wasn't using synthesizers? And, I again, I'm going to chalk that up to, well, at the time, it was impressive. Uh, I just felt a little bit out of place because when they mixed the symphony with the synthesizers, like, the symphonies were used in the, like, um, the neutral or the heartfelt moments of the film, right? Mm-hmm. It helps spell out that narrative for you like hey this is an emotional moving scene and then when the battles started it's like oh synthesizer dun, 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 dun. And it's like yeah i get it it's but i just would have liked just pure symphony in my personal opinion um that's again i'm a little biased on that so i i didn't think the synthesizers were out of place for a film at this current time but it just seems like they could have used an orchestra to do the battle moments you know like fucking take a playbook out of like star wars or something you know (laughs) i mean that might work (laughs) i'm just saying orchestras and symphonies do a lot more than people give it credit for and i get that it's scoring it is pretty difficult but i don't know it just it just felt lackluster when i heard the synthesizers go off at every battle scene i was like oh yeah of course of course by the way synthesizers I should have brought this up when we were talking before about art and animation, but I just was looking through the staff that made uh, Nausicaa, and mm-hmm. apparently one of the key animators was a then-relatively unknown Hideaki Anno. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's a bit of trivia for you. Um, yeah, th- I, I kind of thought that, too, with the synthesizer. Um, it's like one of those things, it was acceptable in the 80s. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, everything in the 80s had synthesizers to it. Every movie you went to, whether it was American or French or, or Spanish, they, they all had synthesizers in their soundtrack. So I don't fault it at all for that. It was it was Joe he's, uh, Hisaishi uh, trying something new. And I think for the movie, it kind of works. But yeah, it's definitely it definitely dates the movie too. Well, especially since, like, you know, if it's post-apocalyptic, it's kind of... If they just went full synthesizer, I wouldn't have been as upset as I am now because it's like, why would you go half and half, man? I hate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But again, I can't fault it because at the time it was current and it was the thing to do, right? Yeah, and, it was. But it's just like the synthesizer bits were a little bit tame, in my opinion. They weren't very good. They didn't sound very good. They were just like, oh, fast-paced stock music. Dun, 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 dun. And I was like, <laughs> eh. You know, it's not very unique. I mean, well, speaking of stock, that's actually a, a point of contention I have with this movie. So uh, throughout most of the movie, uh, a lot of the sound design and the sound effects that are utilized are very cartoonish and they just sound very stock. Yeah. Th- so I had a problem with that sound design aspect as well. Um, whenever there are sound effects on the screen, they're very stock. There's nothing really unique um, except maybe like when the insects chitter. That was kind of cool. The insect sounds are are relatively unique, but just about everything else is very stock. Like to the sound of the airships, to the sound of like swords hitting each other, to the sound of guns going off. It all sounds so stock. Yeah, and I get it. You know, they didn't have a big of a budget. You know, again, we we brought that in the beginning because this is the main point. They didn't have many resources to do this with. Yeah. I mean, it is a shame. I feel like maybe they could go back at some point and put in more, uh, well, better sound effects, I guess. Yeah. But some people might say that's messing with the artist's intentions. Uh, (laughs) They, they did, they had to do what they had to do. And given what they were given, it was, it turned out okay. So it did. (laughs) It's not, it's, it's not, it doesn't, it's not a watchable, but it's definitely noticeable. And, um, oh my God. So since this is my first viewing, um, you told me this was the second dub that we watched, the one mm. that Disney provided. Yeah, that, that's something to point out. So when we just got finished watching this, we watched the English dub of it, and it's uh, important to point out it's the second English dub of this movie. Yeah, and um, the, since this is my only viewing, this only applies to the second viewing, but holy shit, man. <laughs> that voice acting was amazing. They had A-list actors in that Patrick Stewart, Mark Shia Hamill, LaBeouf, Shia LaBeouf, Uma Thurman. I was like, holy shit! Like, yeah, and then, not, so Luke Skywalker and Captain Picard are both in the yeah. fucking dub. And it's oh man, I was just like blown away. I was like, I can't believe this dub is so amazing. Like, who yeah. would blow this much money on this movie? And you know, Disney, of course, they got the Disney money. Yeah, but. so it's it's important to to kind of point out the original English dub, which was made back in 1985, was produced by New World Pictures and used a lot of, uh, I guess you would say like D-list people to come on and do the voices. <laughs> D-list, not even B-list. <laughs> I mean, a lot of these people. So when I first watched this back in 1996, this is the dub I watched. It's not great, but of course, my six year old self at the time didn't think so. I thought it was amazing. Um, but I mean. I've Given gone back that, and I've re- well, I've, got, I've gone back and I've rewatched this old dub and it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, given that you know anime dubbing back in the '80s, even in the '90s, was pretty 
it didn't really take off until like the late 90s, you know? Mm-hmm. So we, we really, again, can't fault it for having a bad original no. dub. No, but, of course we haven't. We, you, you, you haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah, I will th- say if there's one, if there's one like hiccup with the Disney dub, which is what we watched, it's Allison Lohman in the in the role of Nausicaa. That's probably the only like really stumbling block to this movie in yeah, terms of it, its voice, it, its dub acting. It's it's. I mean, as a lead playing character, you have a lot of different lines, and there's a lot of there's a huge range of emotions that Nausicaa goes through. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to translate because it's like, you know, we don't have the technology to stretch out this five second sequence to 10 seconds to fully get what the meaning was out. So it's it's definitely a struggle to like some some bits with Nasca's English dub with um, Lisa blanking on her last name. Loman? Loman. Loman. Yeah. With Loman. She she does a phenomenal job at some points, but there's other points where it's just kind of like, uh, I know this is a bad dub. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you're not a bad actor, but uh, I don't know. That's just. But e- everyone else was just on point and perfect, especially uh, Patrick Stewart in the oh. role of Lord Yupa. Like, that was perfect. That Patrick Stewart's performance, man, just like <laughs> the saving grace of this entire film was his performance. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Umar Thurman did a phenomenal job as the, the like antagonist queen as well. I thought yeah, she. Yeah, Kushana. Kushana, thank you. And she plays uh, that queen bitch like really well, you know. <laughs> I, I actually really did enjoy her performance as well. I like I like that she has that line towards the end, like I have chosen the path of violence. <laughs> that was a little bit unnatural, but again, <laughs> it's just kind of the script, you know. It's kind of hard to translate yeah. things. Yeah. So it's treason then. then. Mar- yeah, it's treason then. <laughs> Yeah. Then he had Shia LaBeouf, the the not celebrity as Asbel, who actually did a really good job. I think he did a phenomenal job. And this was like what two thousand five Shia LaBeouf, so he wasn't yeah. as crazy as he is now. That's pretty <laughs> insane, Shia LaBeouf. This is like like teenager Shia LaBeouf, right? This is when he was on uh, Even Stevens. Like he was in, I think he was in his very early twenties, like twenty twenty one. Okay, yeah. So he was like right off of the the whole Even Stevens fate like phase and. He's still, like, not crazy, <laughs> not as wild as he is. So I thought he yeah. did a great job, too, as, uh, yeah. I don't remember, the fucking main love interest, I guess I'd call Asbel. him. Asbel. I should probably remember these. I don't remember yeah. anyone's names except Lord Upa and Nasca. quite honestly. <laughs> it's because they say those names so damn often in the movie. Exactly. Everyone else <laughs> plays a very minor part in um, this film compared to, like, of- Nasca. None of what we're saying is take anything away from the original Japanese dub. Like, I've seen it too, and it is it is good. It's really good. But it's just, I grew up watching this dub. I mean, I've watched every Ghibli movie dubbed because I feel like at this point I'm obligated to. So, <laughs> and it's, it's, it is one of the better Ghibli dubs, I will say. I'll just say that we started off, like, the first five minutes with the Japanese dub. And I said, okay, let's switch it to the English one. And then, you know, Patrick Stewart comes on. I'm like, all right, we'll keep the dub. <laughs> um, I'm just a little adverse to 1980s, even 1990s circa, like, Japanese dub. They're not that great, you know. Um, voice acting didn't really start to evolve until, like, the mid-2000s, in my opinion. Just because, I like... I can just hear people l- l- hearing this and saying, fucking savage. <laughs> I'm just saying... Blasphemy. It's... it's if you... You know what 1980s and 1990s Japanese dub anime sounds like, and it's not that great. Yeah, I mean, right? people think people, you know, there's a lot of like 
sub purists today who think that oh my god is you got to watch sub because these people don't actually act when they're voicing it in english and i'm like that's kind of a new thing you know like if you listen to japanese dubs from the 70s and 80s it was pretty ham-fisted then too yeah it's it's pretty bad so that's just how it is and um, we spent way too much yeah, time we have. talking about sound. <laughs> Holy shit. Because now, let's <laughs> move on to the actual story, which I know you have something to say about that, especially All the right. exposition. So what do I think of the pacing? Uh, it's fucking slow. <laughs> <laughs> it is the a two-hour-long movie. It is, but here's the problem. All right, exposition, right, the first part of the movie, it takes about a, the first quarter of the runtime, but it doesn't introduce any of the conflict and – once you've passed that quarter, that's when it finally introduces conflict, and then suddenly the rising action. Like, there were no stakes at all. We are just feeling sad and mopey, like, oh, no, the world is distraught. And mm. then all of a sudden, like, conflict, rising action. And I was just like, okay, okay, this is getting somewhere. And and then as it ramps up, I, I just felt like all of a sudden, like, near the last 30 minutes of the fucking film – that's where the climax is, and it's it feels very subdued. Uh, I'm not sure where you would consider the climax was, but I considered the climax when she was fighting the, that uh, army on that island, right? When Nazca yeah, the, was engaging the um the baddies, the Ohm. yeah, trying to trying to help the Ohm out. I thought that was the climax because it didn't really seem like it fit anywhere else, but it just felt very subdued. And then the resolution isn't really explained. Like, it just kind of happens, and then, like, oh, this remember this five-second tidbit from the beginning of the film? It's the prophecy! It came true! Like, <laughs> now everything's fine! And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Uh. What? <laughs> and, and then, you know, it all ends, and the epilogue plays, and it's playing through the credits, so we get to see, like, after the resolution happens, we've got this epilogue, and people are rebuilding... And it's all happy ends, you know, like this is the happily ever after. And, you know, I love seeing things like that. I've said this in our, our last review. I love seeing epilogues because I'm just like, I need more closure. That wasn't enough. Don't leave it to my imagination. <laughs> I'm a shit imaginary person, right? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that, it's got that going for it. But as for the quality of the narrative, I didn't think it was that great. It was pretty vague at the first like about the first quarter you know when they're doing the exposition it's pretty pretty vague and i didn't like that that much it becomes a lot clearer once you reach like the midpoint of the movie um which is why this brings me to the structure it's kind of weird it doesn't flow very naturally because the exposition seems very slow and you know when you get past the first quarter and then the second quarter so basically half of the movie when it's still doing exposition it's just very slow and, you know, I get not you're not supposed to divide movies up by that. Like most exposition is in the first quarter and then you've got the, the rising action and the conflict. So it makes sense from a structure point of view. I just didn't like it. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with a lot of what you said. Um, one thing that having such a slow build up in the beginning did allow for is a lot of great world building. Yeah, within it, a very relatively short amount, like within the span of a typical uh, length of an anime episode, you got an enormous amount of world building. But again, this comes back to the whole structure. Like they build the world, but then they don't let us see it. Like we only get small glimpses of it 
in the beginning and then sprinkled throughout the rest of the film. Yeah. I mean, some of that may be uh, down to limitations of the time. They probably wanted to show more, but they just didn't have the budget or the ability animation-wise at the time. Yeah. Which is why I think that of all the Ghibli movies, I would like to see Nausicaa remade today because I think with the technology we have today, it would be so it would look better, and I think you could actually parse out the the actual narrative a little bit better than it was done before. Yeah, for sure. And the last thing I want to talk about was the it's very Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is very heavy handed with their allegories. All right, it's not just um, heavy handed; it slaps you across the face with it. Yeah, and, you know, it's a good message. It's about pollution and environmentalism, and I liked it. I just mm. would have liked to see more of it, you know? Like, don't just slap it in my face for, like, a split second and, like, oh, you know, humans, ha, 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 environmentalism. And then I'm like, <laughs> but I want to see more. There's more to this world than meets the eye, and they poke at it a little bit, but then they kind of just run through all of it. And I'm like, oh, man, what? What? How are you going to set up this really cool, like, poison forest area? Then you set up these humans that are fighting each other. You set up, like, the ancient bad, the evil, like, the what they're called, the, the warriors. And, like, how are you going to set all this up and then just kind of blow past it? You know? Come on. You don't set up this world and blow past it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, is, it may be worth mentioning that um, the, the movie itself is based on a manga of the same title. It's a seven-volume-long manga that wasn't oh. finished at the time that the movie came out. Okay. So that might have a lot to do with it because uh, there's some stuff that was obviously they had to come up with their own ending at the time. Yeah. So that makes more sense. Um, it's the, manga, like, oh, the manga ran from 82 to 94. It's kind of like um, Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> the original mm-hmm. run of Full Metal Alchemist, which ended before the manga ended. Yeah. Um, and it's another reason why I say like th- this is probably the movie that I'd like to see redone more than any other Ghibli movie because like it have a, a proper ending or at least the ending that the original manga author, uh, which was Hayao Miyazaki, uh, wanted it to have. Mm-hmm. And I-, I think that it's just it would do so much better with today's technology, especially with trying to portray the post-apocalyptic world that they live in. Um, I think that overall the the movie is a really good example of how good animation could be at the time, at least with the budget that they had. But it's so limited to the story they were trying to tell. Very similar to uh, how Legend of Galactic Heroes, the original Legend of Galactic Heroes was, which is currently getting remade. How they were trying to tell such an epic story that was so far beyond the technology and ability they had as for animating at the time. Yeah, I think Nasca has a lot that it wants to do and it just needs to be kind of rebuilt a little bit you know and be a little bit more straightforward with the story and add a lot more depth to it instead of just like showing you this glimpse okay we're gonna trod past this and fly over here and do the next thing like yeah "Eh, come on come on (laughs) flesh it out a little bit yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, it may be the first anime I ever watched, and it's I, I have it's like a soft place in my heart, but I don't think it's perfect for, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so that being said, after having seen this, what numerical score would you give this out of 10? Solid 7. I would give it a 7 as well. Oh, look at that. <laughs> um, Actually, I, I'd probably give it more close to a 7.5. So, I mean, on Mal, I, mean, I have it as a 7, but... I I personally would give it a 7 out of 10 because it, it, it's a solid film, <laughs> regardless of my bitching about the narrative and stuff. 
Um, it's solid. It has a lot more potential. And if it was remade, I would hope that they would let it breathe more. There's mm. a lot more to the story than what is portrayed, and they could definitely go into it. Maybe yeah. re- revive it as an OVA series with like four parts or five parts. Like, yeah. just or, or maybe so much revive more. it as like a 36 episode actual series. That 36 episodes for seven volumes. That yeah, that's about. I'd like that. Yeah, that, that'd be enough in my opinion of time to let it breathe. Because there's so I mean, much hell, going on. I mean, hell, we know that sometime within the next few years we are going to be getting a complete adaptation of Akira. That's true. I hope they don't fuck it up. <laughs> But yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like a 7, 7.5 out of 10 for me. It's got a lot of nostalgia value for me in particular, but it does, and as good as the message that it's trying to portray is, um, it definitely has some hiccups. Some of those are due to the, the era that the anime was made in, but some of it's just due to the design and uh, narrative decisions that were made. But I think overall, I would say the film holds up today as a classic. Would I say it holds up today in terms of animation? No. Yeah, I would say, honestly, this is the weakest like Ghibli film. No offense, Alex. <laughs> well, one of the weakest, maybe like in the top, bottom like three. But no, I wouldn't say it's the weakest. I wouldn't say you're right. It's not the weakest. Ponyo's the weakest. But <laughs> I've made enemies. I can hear them typing on their keyboards right I now. Just, I just like how before we started recording, you were comparing this to Princess Mononoke, which is well, the best Ghibli movie. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, I agree. I think Princess Mononoke is the best Ghibli film, but I was using it as a comparison because, like, how does this film hold up compared to even other Ghibli films? It's not mm. very good. It doesn't because yeah. again, there's a lot of ambitious ideas and a lot of ambitious like things happening in the background that we don't get to see anymore. We get introduced yeah. to it, but we don't get to see it play out. And Mi- yeah. Princess Mononoke does a phenomenal job about that. Like. God, our next review is going to be Princess Mononoke, I swear. Just I'd so I can probably. rewatch the film. But that's just going to go through every Ghibli movie. <laughs> I mean, it's the only anime movies I can think of. Um, but yeah, I think it's it it holds up pretty well as a classic. I think people who watch it won't be disappointed. Uh, obviously, it's not as good as Mo- Princess Mononoke or any of the like newer shows or newer movie anime movies coming out. But that's just because Shinkai is a god. But. Uh, <laughs> Other than that, yeah, I'd say give it a watch if you guys want. Like, it's that's one thing I, I really want more anime fans to do. Like, we've got people like Show who are basically new little babies to the anime scene who don't even want to watch anime from the 80s. Like, yeah, who just refuses to watch anything made before 1990. And I, yeah, I get it. There's, there's not very many good shows, but give them a shot, you know, like. It's yeah. for one thing that this movie's got going for it is that it is a Ghibli film, so you know the narrative is pretty good. The story is pretty good. It's just not done very well. Yeah, it's it's opinion. ambitious and it and it's good, but it could have been so much better. I yeah. think that's what we're trying to say. Yeah. All right, and that is our review of Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Thank you all for dropping in to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing this stuff to you. If you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. If you want to keep up with what we're doing, you can join us on Discord, Facebook, Twitter, and our website. Shoot us an email if you have any questions or if you have ideas for topics or movies you would like for us to talk about in the future. Links to all these things will be down below in the description. As always, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, John. There's so many continuity errors in this movie. (laughs) It bothers me so much. Where did the blue dress come from? (laughs) Why is it blue? (laughs) 
Oh, man.